Come on in, guys. Matt Hamage and Jared Sundin here. Another episode of Talking Llama. We're into the top 10 today with, with our ninth and 10th ranked seasons. First, one quick um, note here. As I mentioned before, Survivor South Africa is starting up again soon. So when this episode drops on a Thursday, the South African Season 8 Immunity Island premiere will be I guess for the us in the States here, Friday morning. Um, so I'll be covering that on my site, News from the Couch. I'll be doing full recaps like I would for the flagship US series. Um, I don't know exactly when I'll have access to the episodes, but probably over the weekend. So look for the recap to drop on Mondays is my plan, but we'll see how that shakes out. And I might touch on it briefly in our episodes here. I don't know if Jared's gonna be able to watch this season. Um, so I won't go into full spoilers necessarily. I might touch on some bigger moments or, or big picture type things. But again, if you are interested in watching the upcoming season or getting caught up on the other international versions, just uh, send me a DM on Twitter at Matt Hambage. I'll be happy to get you hooked up with that. But for today, Jared, our number 10 ranked season, this one might come as a, as a surprise to some people. I don't think many people would have pegged this as a top 10 season. Um, it's my 17th, but your number 10 ranking, let's it sneak in, sneak in there talking about season 36 2018's ghost island won by wendell holland jared you're it's your top 10 for you little little surprise i think for a lot of people it is top 10 for me um i really what carries me through this whole season what, what carries it to the top 10 uh is dom and wendell i don't think that will really be a surprise to anybody but um yeah, overall, I thought the supporting cast around them was decent enough um, to really let them shine, but also, um, you know, keep you interested in a few side stories. And obviously, um, they they worked a few special little advantages or past relics into the game and um Overall, I thought it was just a really solid season of Survivor, like the modern style where it moves fast. Um, and at the end, when you get the first tie ever and Jeff just reads the votes off at Final Tribal right there and the looks on everyone's faces kind of caps it off for me as a top 10. Since you mentioned that, just real quick, when he started reading the votes... Do you remember what your thinking was? Did you did you immediately think, oh, must be a tie? Or did you think they're just doing it differently this time? Uh, well, this was only the second one that I had watched, um, like, since coming back to the show. So, like, I guess I didn't really know what to think. I didn't know if, if he had done this before or not. So, um, okay. at that moment, it was kind of lost on me. But on the rewatch, definitely not. Yeah, I remember after the after the first vote. So when he said, "And I'm going to read the votes," I was like, "Oh, he's just messing with them because 
he's purpose. That's what he does. Then he actually started reading them. I think after the first one, I was like, holy shit, he's actually doing this. Then I think on the second one, I was like, oh, no, it's definitely going to be a tie. There's no way they would risk 12 people or whatever knowing the results and keeping it to themselves for six, eight months or whatever it is in between airing. Figured it had to be a tie. But it made the moment no less cool and, and fun to witness because you see all the all the players reactions like what is happening i'm sure some of them knew oh this had to be this has to be a tie like why else would we be doing this but that that instant that first vote people are like oh holy cow what's going on yeah even you know like if you can figure it out after a couple of votes are read that it's going to be a tie i think those 10 seconds of shock might still be worth it oh yeah um, definitely but the the whole thing, like I, I bet you Dom knew that he had lost before Jeff finished reading the tie votes. So so Dom, it's funny you mentioned that because Dom addressed that in uh in probably multiple interviews, but I think the one I read it on was either Dalton Ross at EW or his um post-game interview with on Robert's podcast, probably um, might, have, might have discussed it in both, but he, he said, as soon as he realized it was a tie, he kind of assumed that Laurel would be casting the vote. And then once that was confirmed, that's when he knew for sure that he lost. He said, once it was definitively stated that Laurel is going to decide the winner and that he, he knew that that Wendell's relationship with her would supersede anything else. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he knew it right away because he didn't know 100% how the tie would be broken. But I think he logically thought, how else can they do it? It's got to be Laurel. Oh, it's Laurel. Okay, Wendell just won and I lost. Yeah, and imagine how many months do they wait before the votes are cast until they're read? Um, it depends on if the – I think it varies depending on if it's the, the spring or the fall season because they, okay. they film them pretty close together. And then they air it the next year. But I'll, I'll get the filming dates. Um, so Ghost Island filmed. It wrapped filming July 13th of 2017. And it and the finale was May 23rd of 2018. So, wow. So yeah, just just over 10 months between, Imagine. The, between the votes and then the, the finale, actually. Yeah. Waiting 10 months knowing that you were just not going to win and having to wait and hear that in person like you just you kind of come to grips with with that realization and then you have to live through it again yeah and that, that's what he said he's like i i lost on the island and i knew it and that's one thing and then you go back to your everyday life get back to your job and your family your friends and you kind of move past it as much as you can and then you're like, okay, yeah, I, I've accepted this. I don't like it, obviously, but it is what it is. And yeah, then you have to relive the entire thing a second time. Can't be easy. But I feel like Dom, not that I want this to happen to somebody, but he's probably a good person for it to happen to in terms of handling it. He, he seems to have his head on his shoulders, you know, pretty just solid guy that there are a lot of other people that for sure would let this get to them and just wreak havoc on them on their mental state yeah the well the other thing about him was that um it, it could have made it extra difficult though that he was fighting like with himself over the decision of should i 
take Wendell to fire or not. And on, on top of just having to wait all that time to hear that you lost, having all that time to second guess that decision that you made too. But he, he really seems to not have, um, yeah, it really seems to not have affected him too negatively, at least publicly. No, I mean, and, I mean, he's still like great friends with Wendell. So there's, I feel like if, if it really was getting to him, it'd be harder to see that person. Like, yeah, and talk to that person, even if you had no hard feelings toward them, just the, the memories and thoughts it would, it would bring up. But it, the thing about the fire making, it, it's kind of like when like a, a, a kicker makes or misses an end of the game field goal. It's like, yeah, they, they won or lost the game in that moment, but all of the decisions leading up to that point also play a huge part. That's just the last thing that happens. And so you can, you can play that game with, with Dom too, that he could have cut Wendell any point before that. He, he could have tried to cut Laurel and get one of someone he was closer with to the end with them. He could have done 25 other things to improve his chances, but this just being the last and, and for that technically like the biggest moment with the fire yeah uh, that is the one that that sticks with with him and and fans probably as well yeah true um yeah, there was there was really a lot of missed opportunities for a lot of players in this season too so that was something that i wanted to mention but um you know and there's two people so clearly running the game like that and the other you know four six eight people left just never get on the same page to take them out um i i'm guessing that might be what dropped this season down for a few people as far as rankings go but um for me it was i i just love dom and wendell and i i kind of like seeing how they navigated their way through so obviously being the front runners yeah and that that definitely put I'll get into that kind of for myself in blood versus water when we get to that. Cause that's kind of why, cause that's almost a, almost a mere opposite flip of our season in terms of rankings on why I like that season so much. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people, Dom and Wendell seemed like it's obviously going to be one of these two that wins. I mean, Wendell, if you're talking pregame winner predictions, Wendell was the most common guess and pick um i picked him one of the few that i've I've picked right but then when you see like half of all other fans do the same thing doesn't feel quite as good same thing happened with with tommy in in um, island of the idols it was pretty seemed to be a pretty chalky pick um but i think your mileage will will pretty much or how much mileage you get out of the dom and wendell to some will like you said will go a long way in how much you like the season um because if you can't get behind seeing the same people run the game or at least run the the post-merge game so clearly as them, then yeah, I can easily see why someone would have it in the, the 20s or even the 30s because it's not all that suspense, suspenseful or or stressful to watch what happens. Um, it is kind of a, a paint-by-numbers type season at that point, but they're two of the most likable characters, especially recently. They've got a great dynamic together. They've got a great dynamic individually and and it really was a partnership which i like too it wasn't just one bossing the other around kind of as like a foot soldier they seem to really mm-hmm. both have more or less at least from what we saw equal input onto 
where they wanted to go. But it's, it's also kind of funny because if you think about the merge episode, which I think is one of the best episodes the show has ever had. I mean, Chris comes back, takes the entire tribe minus Tom and Wendell <laughs> yeah. to the water well. So like they did it to themselves by doing that. They said, okay, it's you two versus the world here. And they had to fight and claw from, from that moment. And if Chris had handled that differently, maybe, maybe the rest of the game would have played out another way. Yeah. Uh, if, if Chris had handled a lot of things differently, I think the game could have played out in a different way. Uh, uh, I love Chris, but he was, he was phenomenal to watch in the time that he was there. And, um, I'm sure we will discuss him again uh, towards the end of our ghost Island recap, but um, yeah, uh, I, I actually really like the pre-merge part of the show. I think um, the, obviously the post-merge, like you said, was pretty, pretty predictable, but pre-merge um, I know that like, they got left out of a vote or two Dom and Wendell did. Um, there was some fracturing in the early tribes and, you know, like one of my favorite parts pre-merge was when Dom and Wendell got left out of the Morgan vote, I think is what it was. Um, and they ended up being the only two votes to send maybe Angela home um was that when chris was on ghost island yeah yeah and um you know they get back to camp and it might be the next episode but but dom is giving this confessional and he's like yeah you know we got our asses handed to us out there (laughs) and then it shows him and wendell sitting on a log and they're like we made enemies with pretty much everyone tonight (laughs) and it was it was um to have a change from like one there's one majority alliance on one tribe early on where you know if they lose a challenge for immunity then it's one of the minority alliance members leaving it was it was a lot more interesting than that um i know like jacob had some good moments he only was on a couple episodes but poor jacob yeah poor jacob yep and um there was some stuff like with James, you know, like really blowing a challenge and having to kind of fight to, to keep himself there. And um, Bradley was, uh, <laughs> was, you know, really, really playing aggressive and thought he was in control and that's always fun. So yeah, a lot of good stuff happening, especially early on. And then Dom and Wendell kind of carry you home after the merge. Yeah, like you kind of touched on with a bunch of the people there. The cast is is really good for the most part. Um, the, it's it's super likable, basically top to bottom. The one thing I don't I like when there's a villain to kind of either cheer for or against them and how they how they approach it, or just or just to kind of create some drama. And that kind of was shaped shaped up to be Bradley, and then you know he went home just before the merge. But when he when they're I remember at the at the swap and he's just complaining nonstop about like the sand and just every little thing. Like I, I need people like that because it's from a viewing standpoint, it's way more fun when, when people are butting heads over the dumbest things 
is complaining <laughs> yeah. about sand when you're starving and you can't bathe or clean yourself, you can't brush your teeth, you can't get a, you can't get a moment of privacy, and he's talking about how bad the sand is. Like that would get on my nerves, that's for sure. So he was kind of the only potential villain that the season could have had, and but like everyone just seemed to have a good time out there together. Obviously, there were there were the arguments, you know, the, the Dom questioning Chris on day one, great moment. The yeah. their so their rivalry started from the first what five ten minutes of the season. Um, but yeah, the the cast really made the season for me, and I have a bit of a nostalgia for it as well. This was the first season in full that I blogged about. I did the end of Heroes, Healers, Hustlers last three episodes or so, but Ghost Island was the first time I did it preseason throughout the whole whole season everything so i i do remember the season finally because of that because that's been something that's been super fun to discover and write about in the, the past few years excited to get back into that with south african survivor australian survivor and u.s survivor coming up gonna be a lot of fun up and down there um i did a fantasy survivor league this season with, with a few friends it was all right is you're you're limited because the, you can only have so many people to have like full teams, if you will. Um, but just kind of some unique aspects, kind of outside of the season itself, that make me remember it a little better. Um, well, and it sounds like your blogging and my reintroduction to the series happened at the exact same time, which I don't think I had realized before. But I don't think I'd realized it until you mentioned it right there, even though yeah, we, I'm sure it's been mentioned enough for us to make the connection yeah um well yeah i just the, i mean i'm gonna go back to uh the whole bradley thing quick so um you know one thing that you don't really expect when you come onto the show after like 35 seasons is sand and <laughs> that was that was some of the most brutal sand i had ever seen um so i don't know noted about sand you. expert jared over here yeah um but no i think the only person on this show that should ever complain about sand is shamar and i'll leave it at that but that's that's fair that's fair <laughs> um yeah he you know like when you have some villains like that especially early on in the season where it's keeping things interesting um and like they they think they're in control when the game is constantly shifting that's great chris i chris i thought was gonna take over that villain role from bradley kind of passing of the torch situation and then chris got voted off not too long after that but um yeah i i'll just echo that i i thought it was a pretty underrated cast and um you know like with the two just superstars at the top and a ton of other really fun people um, turned out to be a, a great season, at least from my perspective. Yeah. I, I think Dom and Wendell and, and Chris, you know, just kind of with the screen presence he has, they definitely overshadow a lot of the other, other players this season, just from a personality i guess or entertainment standpoint but it's it's a really loaded cast even a lot of the early boots were could have been you know fun characters morgan uh brendan and james i all liked um, a, a lot of people that 
that probably could have gone far in the game. It's not that they were voted out early because they were bad players or bad in challenges. They just kind of got on the wrong side of the numbers. Things didn't break their way. But um, a lot of people that that could be fun on a on a return season. A pretty strong cast. Um, but one thing we of course need to talk about is Ghost Island. That's the big the big twist or yes. unique aspect for the season. What are your thoughts on Ghost Island? Do you, do you like the setup? Did you like how it worked out? What do you think there? Um, I I like the setup. I thought I thought it was kind of a cool change, um, but I didn't like how it worked when you got there. It was just so random, um, and yet it could have such a big impact on the future of the game that it just wasn't really my thing. Um, I'm, I think you'll probably agree with me, but I'm curious to hear. Yeah. Ghost Island itself, the actual Island, this is probably the biggest thing about the season that, that dropped it down for me. I mean, it's my 17th out of 40, so it's in the top half. I'm a kind of mid pack there, but like, like you said, it's kind of, it's kind of confusing it was maybe a little too powerful at times. Um, but one thing I really didn't like one, because it's just very boring to watch when they go to ghost Island, they smash the urn in the predetermined order. So produ- production knows, I mean, maybe they planned it that way for whatever, right. might be game mechanics, production days, planning, whatever it is. But even at eventually then they get to go, if they, if they play a game, they get to choose like this urn or that or something like that. At least let them do that. You know, you pick between two urns. One is game. One is no game. Let them do something that doesn't make it feel like such a predetermined outcome. And very minor thing in the end, but there's there's no... Because even, even if you are picking A or B, you have no control over it, but you're still making a choice. And or let them do something to kind of put their fate in their hands, I guess. And then um, with all of the, I guess, past relics, as they were calling them, the ex- the constant explanation of those got real old real fast. Because at, at that point, I know they're trying to kind of not um, – blank on the word they wanted to allow the non-super fans watching kind of into into the um background of that and the explanation of to why this was significant what what happened with it and i I get that and that they didn't want to alienate the people who maybe like yourself who hadn't seen you know 30 or more seasons of the show so michael finding james's idol from china wasn't going to mean anything to you or Andrea's idol or whatever it might be, but they, they didn't strike a balance that, that worked for me that someone, you know, Dom brings an idol up to tribal council, goes the entire backstory. And then his reasoning for, I'm hoping I can, you know, lift the curse off this. Like that part just got really old for me. Um, and it, it was a cool concept to bring in the history of the show with so many big moments and things like that, that, that part was fun, but 
I feel like there could have been a better way to to handle it. That yeah. you, you got a lot of like double explanations. They'd read they'd read the note saying this is this is the immunity necklace Eric Eric gave up at Micronesia, and then he was voted out. And then you have Wendell explaining it to to the audience or to other people. It's like, yeah, we already heard that four minutes ago. You don't need to hear it again. And so that, that part that part definitely wore on me. And I didn't think Ghost Island, for being the theme of the season, they didn't really seem to utilize it enough. And there really yeah. was there really, especially early on, there was not a ton of discussion at camp about like what happened, which seemed really strange. And maybe there were just no good sound bites or or clips to use. But with it with it being such a mystery, and once you get people going there, you want to be able to compare their stories of what happened and see how they match up if they're completely different especially if you and i are in different starting tribes i hear these two stories from two other people we get swapped together then you come back and tell me something completely different about what happened there do i believe you do i believe the other two people do i believe both and there could have been a lot more of that that happened um so on south african survivor season seven um, it's called Island of Secrets. It's not a direct one-to-one comparison, but it Ghost Island and Island of Secrets are probably the closest comps if you're going to describe it to other fans of what it's like. And they handled it really, really well in terms of how much time was spent there, how much it was directly involved in the episode, and and the cast talked about it back at camp. And they, they did have a chance to compare notes. Then you'd have confessionals of people saying, you know, that's the same story I told. Um you know, just kind of just comparing what, what happened. And I thought there was a lot more untapped potential with Ghost Island as basically another character on the show. And they just didn't fully go into as well as they could have, I didn't think. Yeah, when you say it's boring, that's... I don't think I could really put my finger on it before you just said that. I think another flaw in it was that because it was so fast, it was just like you get there and then you smash the urn and then you're done. Um, Ghost Island really became more about just not being at camp. And when your whole season is themed around like, okay, well, this person is gone for a few days and not really doing anything while they're gone. Like it, it does seem like a huge missed opportunity. As far as the relics go, this, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but um, my, my first time watching it, yeah, I didn't have the, the sense of history that a lot of people would coming into it. So, you know, seeing the old clips being played back, like I, I liked it then, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Wow. I didn't know that this moment happened. But, you know, actually finding the the necklace that Eric gave up had no effect on me. Like, because I, I wouldn't recognize that as a historic item within the, the history of the show. But after rewatching or or watching every prior season for the first time and building up that 
base of knowledge and then seeing ghost island again some of the items seem so prestigious that like i don't want them back on any episode of survivor (laughs) ever um like i i think it almost like degrades the the relic itself um to you know have james's idol be discovered by michael you know like or to have like eric's necklace discovered by wendell um and and i like it worked out well to have maybe the most famous one discovered by the eventual winner but um it's kind of like like russell's quote in samoa where he's like i'm i'm not going up against mike tyson this is brett (laughs) and it's like yeah we're not talking about james here we're talking about like 18 year old michael is it jaeger jurger jurger okay yeah and um well that kind of proves my point so uh yeah it's like we have to make sure that we're not just having like one-off people possessing some of the most famous (laughs) items that survivor has ever produced and it's like okay yeah this has now been played by andrea belke and i don't even remember who else like i think dom got it right i think Dom. the legacy or i don't know which idol yeah there and and yeah like the legacy advantage being used by like sierra and sarah and then it has like a whole bunch of new names written on it and it's like okay what are what are we doing here we're just scribbling on this thing that was like the maybe the most important factor in sarah's win yep and and we were talking i didn't think about the the fact when i was going off thinking talking about they needed to let new fans in on the secret i guess that i didn't even consider your point of yeah you're letting them in but it means nothing to them yeah like like to find i would not recognize james's idol being found like not seeing china and and after seeing china it's like oh okay i I remember that now but yeah no idea yeah it was it was a season that seemed to be made for super fans both for the players and for the, the the audience like can you imagine I'm sure they, I would assume at least that they worked to avoid this, but can you imagine if there was like a recruit or it's a very casual fan who got cast on this season and like you found James' idol. Oh, cool. Who, who is James? What, what is, what's happening? I applied for big brother. They put me on this show. What, who, what is, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, so that, I don't know. That was at least like a, a mini rant for me about the one thing that I think they really, really missed on um, or, or at least one thing that I think didn't necessarily need to be in there, but being ghost Island, you have to bring back some ghosts from the past. But um, I, I feel like they could have had some of these 
past idols like being shown on the season without actually being brought into the game itself and having new players like use and play old items. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of the things that that sounds really cool on paper and then kind of like, like Robin Sanders or Island of the Idols. Like you float that idea. Fans are going to say, Oh, I get to see them come back and be on the survivor again. Great. And then it's all, then obviously it comes down to the execution and some ideas just don't translate to TV and maybe it's the cast, but I think this was probably a pretty good cast to do this with. And even still, it kind of felt flat. Yeah. I think the only other, like the only upgrade in cast really would be, and, and this would probably be overkill, but if you do a season like winners at war, where you bring back some of these, past relics and have winners use them and and say like oh this was played by so and so this season and then tony in winners at war and it's like okay yeah now that really adds to the legacy of the item i was i was thinking that exact same thing for me i think that would be a bit overkill but yeah. i think that it adds more weight to the return of these idols or advantages or whatever it might be. But on the, on the other hand, it just kind of speaks to the production's current obsession with idols and game twists and advantages that it was basically instead of ghost Island, it was, it was instead of survivor ghost Island, it was survivor. Here's a bunch, here's a bunch of stuff for you to use. And and yeah, it's interesting to see how they play it, but it just, when there's so much out there, it kind of changes the core of the game a little bit. And, and I, I love having idols. I, I love other advantages here and there, other, other twists, but I'm, I'm hoping on this kind of reset they've had for the last year or so that they'll maybe tone it down a little bit that hopefully they're, they're seeing that there is too much of a good thing. And they can, they can dial it back, and which actually should make could make it more fun the first couple of seasons because people are going to be expecting just an abundance of things to be out there. And then when there aren't, it kind of throws them off the game a little bit. Um, but let's move move on move on from that. One a couple other things at least in my my notes here, the the loved ones challenge. If you remember how this one this one ended, this this one made it just stuck out to me a little bit. So Sebastian wins. And and he gets to choose the players to accompany him on the reward. Um, so Dom, Wendell, and Jonathan. And then they get to the Ghost Island of it all. And someone can go to Ghost Island to get an advantage in the game. And Sebastian declines. And then Wendell volunteers to go. And then Kellen gets super pissed off. Do you remember how this remember this part that plays out? No. So Kel- Kellen gets real pissed off at Wendell because no one got to replace Wendell and his loved one on the reward. And she, she's pissed off because she, because he, she, she blames him for ruining someone else's chance at spending time with their loved one, even though that was made with, like he was chosen by Sebastian and then they had the choice to go to ghost Island. And I, I, I would get being frustrated 
but it's that's just a frustration with the game and how it's set up. It's not it's not against Wendell personally as to who the anger should be directed at. If you if she wants to frame it that way to try to target Wendell, that's one thing. But she was like in her confessional, she was legitimately pissed off directly at Wendell. And it's just like you don't understand what's happening. And she's a smart player too, which made it maybe a little more more frustrating. If it was someone I'm not gonna call anyone out, but if someone who maybe didn't know the game as well or didn't understand the strategy, it it would have played a little better because all they just don't get it. But she knows the game. She should have known better, better than that. Um and then and then later on, I think there was maybe nine people left. And she has a quote, we have four, we have the numbers. We just we just have to pull in Donathan. It's like, well then you don't have the numbers. You're close, but you don't quite have it. You still need to pull in another person. Yeah. Um two yeah, that's that's tough for Kellen. Um two examples of I, I'm guessing for 95% of the season she had a very good grasp of what was going on and then in you know, 5% of the moments that get aired, she seems to not be super familiar with some of the strategy of the game. But I'm, I'm telling you, the loved ones visit messes with people. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I that's part of why it's great that. is because it makes these otherwise smart, rational players completely lose their minds if they don't get it. Yeah. And I've and, talked about uh, it before, don't win the loved ones. Yeah, 100%. In, unless, um, unless you're way on the outs and people are already upset with you or you can use it as a bargaining chip to get people on the reward. Like, if you're in a good position in the game, do not win that challenge. Yeah. Um, and I I am maybe going to regret saying this, but I can see where she's coming from there to to have played up this moment in your head for so long and to want nothing more than to spend time with your loved one who has been on the island and um you've just seen for the first time and who knows how long and and to see someone get that opportunity and pass it up kind of feels like a slap in the face to you but um you know, we, we both understand that that's not really what Wendell was doing, but I, I can definitely see why <laughs> she would have, you know, a strong reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah. But again, credit drama. So I'm all, I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, I think last thing I want to go over and then there's anything else you've, you've got left. Um, and I don't have an answer for this. I don't know if you have looked into this. Dom plays a fake idol at the final six. He gives it to Probst, and then Probst doesn't validate it as a true or fake idol right away, which I thought was very confusing. Because normally, once you give it to Probst, he says, yes, this is a real idol, or no, this is a fake idol. Then he either plays it or throws it in the fire. This one he just took and then waited for Dom after the votes to say, like, here's the idol, I'm playing it. That one, that part always sat sat weird with me i would have to watch that again i think i mean my understanding was that like dom was pretty much doing it for show to just say like here's how much control i've had over this game and 
him and Wendell had some moments like that where they're sitting there with all their necklaces on. And um, that would probably be my guess as to what happened. But as far as how Jeff handled it, yeah, I, I would have to watch it again to have an opinion on it. Yeah, that that I did. I did some little some brief looking, but I couldn't find anything. So I don't know if there's a, an actual answer out there, if that's was ever addressed or not. But it just seemed like this. This is there's always moments that people can point to to say, oh, production has, you know, is meddling with the game and they, they have who they want to win and they're doing this, that or the other thing. And that to me would be a very clear example to point to of they wanted Don to go far because then no one voted for him. He was on the chopping, legitimately on the chopping block at that point. And, and because probes didn't say it was a fake idol, I'm assuming everyone just assumed, Oh, it must be real then. But I'm also just kind of surprised no one asked him if it's, if it's official or not. I feel yeah, like, like I was okay. obviously watching it and being in the moment are two different things. Who knows where your head's at at tribal. But I was, I feel like a lot of smart players would say, Jeff, you didn't say if that was real or not. Can you tell us if that's an actual idol? Um, okay. So I'm, I'm understanding this better now. So he, well, they were still talking pre vote before the votes. Dom gets up Went and, and gives, handed. gives the idol. He doesn't say, I don't know if he says I'm playing this, but he gives him the idol. And then goes yeah. go, and goes and sits back down because then there's well, another there's another moment. Oh, I can't remember which season it's on if it's before or after, but someone's got an idol in their hand on the bench, and they say, "Jeff, can you validate if this is real or not?" And he says, "No, you got to like, give it to me." Basically. Okay. Um, so I don't know. This seems this seems like uh, still a first though as as far as how someone would play a fake idol um and i don't i don't have a problem with jeff not revealing if it's real or fake if it's pre-vote i i think that the intended strategy of dom was to confuse people by playing something that he knew was fake and taking advantage of a, i guess maybe an unwritten rule that like until the votes are read, you don't know what the idol is, but I know because people I have could, played idols pre vote before. And, 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 and he'll say, this is a real idol. Any votes cast for Jared do not count. Okay. So, so, um, but so like people have done, have done, state. have done what you're saying where they, they might hold the idol and keep it around their neck or in their pocket or whatever, let people know about it, but then, but they don't give it to Jeff. Okay. So it, it always, right. I don't know. I haven't read the survival rule book or whatever. So I don't know what the actual written rule would be. But seemingly, once you give the idol or advantage or whatever it is to Jeff, that's when it becomes official as I am playing this, whatever it is. So, but no one's really ready okay. to think about it that I've seen. So I don't know if I'm missing something. Um, but it always seemed odd that he would just kind of let that one go once Dom gave it to Jeff but huh yeah um i wonder if you have to specify like maybe uh, there's certain people that would just want to play it before the vote because it happened on caramoan right with malcolm and reynold and eddie 
how yep. one had immunity and the other two had had um, idols. And then I think they wanted to play those before the vote was read to force the majority alliance to pick someone to vote out. And by telling Jeff that we want to play these, we are playing these right now. Like he could maybe make the call to say, okay, yes, I will validate these now because this is how you want them to be played. And then with Dom not really specifying and and wanting to create the confusion, maybe Jeff would not say whether it was real or not. Yeah, but with that, Dom gave up possession of it and gave it to Jeff. If he says I'm not going to play that, I don't think he's getting that that idol back. Whereas Eddie and Reynolds and Malcolm, which I can't remember how it went down, who had the idols, who had the immunity, if they said we want to play these, if they don't give them to Jeff, they're not they're not getting played. They they, they keep them still. Hmm. Maybe well, does it does it change if the idol isn't real? I mean, can you just get a fake idol back? Like I think if you give it to Jeff, no. Because if you okay. give it to Jeff and say, like, like we'll take the best fake idol ever in in Micronesia. When oh when, yeah, when, when Eliza plays it and Jeff calls it fake, he just throws it in the fire. He doesn't say, Do you want this back? He just tosses it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that again then. It's at the final six, I believe. Final six, mm. if you want to okay. that. Um, but we're going pretty long on the season. So unless you do you have anything else, or should we get to second chance? No, I I think we covered pretty much everything. I, I like that uh, we went into an extensive criticism of the Ghost Island theme and uh, then <laughs> still rank this as a top 10 season. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, the gameplay and just the overall experience kind of overcame uh, some of the misses as far as production fair fair all right so for my second chance some obvious ones dom and chris of course then i've got a a bunch of people actually brendan libby bradley laurel morgan james and des i would all all fight for and dom i've got a going through these i've got a few like stone cold locks dom is a 100 for me a stone cold has to come back at some point lock the others i'd love to see but I don't feel as strongly on any of them as I do for Dom. Okay. I would, I would say that Chris has to come back too. <laughs> He'd be the closest second. out of Yeah. That group. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm good with whoever you want to put on your list from this season. Um, I would love to see Libby back. I think that, um, she's definitely got some strategy chops that we may not have seen a hundred percent of. Um, and then I would, I would really like to see Michael come back um, and, and just see, you know, like this could even be like 10 years down the road from his first appearance, but you know, you come on and you're 18 years old. Um, you, you could still evolve so much from, when you first played and I would love to see how his gameplay changes or stays the same if you were to oh, come yeah. back. Yeah. 
I think he'd benefit the most of a longer break between between appearances. A lot of these guys, you know, Dom, you know, he's he is who he is probably as a person for the most part at this point. That if he waits one year, ten years, it won't make a huge difference. That's maybe like a physical standpoint. But Michael, you know, you wait ten years, he's still only twenty eight before he comes back. So I think he'd be a, he could be a good choice. But yeah, if he waits, you know, longer, I think that'd be better than bringing him back. You know, after two or three years. Yep. Yeah. Those would be so. Those are my four. Then Dom, Chris, Michael, and Libby. Perfect. Okay. Um, number. Our number nine season, as I mentioned before, 27th season in the, in the series, 2013's Blood versus Water, won by my favorite player of all time, Tyson Apostle. And like you had mentioned with Dom and Wendell for keeping Ghost Island high in your rankings, Tyson winning is a huge reason why this season is, is, is in my top 10. My eighth ranked season, your 19th. Um, so... You know, it's got Redemption Island, which we've discussed before. Not a fan. Once you voted out, you should be out. Don't need to rehash all of that. But but Tyson, I just love the way he plays the game. And like you mentioned with Michael just now, you can he'd have a chance to evolve as a player and a person over he waits ten years or so between appearances. And Tyson, you know, this is his his third appearance at this point after Token Sheens and Heroes versus Villains, and you get that evolution and that maturity and you see it play out on screen kind of with the entire culmination of the years and and just change changing of, of who he is as a person and so that that's really fun to watch um is it, i was a fan of tyson from day one on on, on token sheens and seeing him with it with a true character arc and a show like survivor get to this point was just so cool and so fun to watch he seems like a good guy, super fun, witty, hilarious. Love, love watching him um, on TV. Any, anytime I, any chance I get. Um, but the mechanism here, this is the the first instance of Blood versus Water, and it was half returning players and then their their loved ones. Um, they were split onto opposing tribes, returning players on one, loved ones on the other, and a little little twist off the bat. See what you think about this. They vote out one player right away, uh, but then the twist is they don't vote them out. They go to Redemption Island instead, and then another twist. And this part helped make Redemption Island a little better for me because it added extra decision-making and potential drama is that the loved one has the opportunity to take – the loved one who's, who's still in the game has the chance or opportunity to take the place of their loved one on Redemption Island which, which I really like because one, it's a personal decision and a tribe decision. So it's Candace Cody and um, Laura Bonham who are voted off right away. Um, Candace's husband, John stays on his tribe. Rupert before Jeff can even finish asking the question basically goes and takes Laura's spot much to the chagrin of his tribe. And they, they, make it no secret that they wanted Rupert over Laura a thousand percent. They even, they even tell her as much. Um, so then, cause then they, so he goes to redemption and she goes to his tribe of the returning players. And each time that happens in the season, you get the opportunity to do so. And just anytime, cause it's a, that's a huge decision. Cause you've got the, the one-to-one relationship, whether it's husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, uncle niece or whatever it might be that 
you have to weigh the emotional response versus the game response versus like the tribe response. There's a lot of this, a lot of aspects that go into just that one seemingly simple yes or no question. Um, so that, that part along with everyone hating Brad Culpepper at redemption Island, which we'll get into, but they, and from what I saw on the edit, it was a whole lot of nothing from what I, from what I could tell. And, but, and just getting all, all the tribes together there at like a non reward or immunity challenge allowed for that kind of cross tribal connection and interact and interaction. Um, so much as I don't like Redemption Island as a general idea, I think they, they added enough extra little flair to it that made it work a little better for me on this one. Yeah, I don't really know where to start on this. We've kind of talked about the blood versus water concept with San Juan del Sur before, but um, I did not have time to go back and rewatch this one uh, before right now. And I'm, I'm going to let you do most of the heavy lifting on this season, but I got a few things that I want to throw in. Um, yep. Number one, when you said Rupert uh, without, you know, before Jeff even finished saying, what uh his options were said that he would switch places with laura and go to redemption island um and and saying you have to weigh the emotional response with the game response and uh if there was ever a player that you knew exactly what they were gonna do <laughs> oh, in this yeah. situation it is rupert and um really like my issue with it is when when you are a husband and you go with your wife to play a game for a million dollars, you, I would assume that you are playing as a family, correct? And, and it doesn't really matter which one of you wins the game as long as one of you wins. Aside from the Boston Rob and Amber rivalry of we both won, who's going to win this one? Um, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all, and you, other than bragging rights, it's, it should be one and the same. Yeah. And I, I think that Amber would have preferred Rob win winners at war. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true. That's just the sense that I got from some of her, uh, quotes on the show, but, um, here, like, you really, it, that was just way too soon to, to make a decision. Um, because if you're Rupert, you have to understand what value you can provide to that tribe early on in the season. You know, it's less risky to keep yourself there because you're going to be able to form alliances. You're going to be able to prove your worth in the challenges. And I think people seeing you play three times and not winning is it, it takes some of the heat off of you and you don't really have to worry about getting voted off early just because you're Rupert. But I think that when you make such a big move early on in the game, especially to put your tribe in a tough spot, you're just making it worse for yourself. And that was that was my takeaway from this particular situation. Yeah, and then because then he puts Laura in such a bad position too. I mean, not. Yeah. I mean, it's better than Redemption Island 
I would and say he just wanted her to have a chance to play. That's all that that he was doing. Yeah. And and like you said, of course, Rupert was going to do that. That was the most Rupert decision he could have made in, in the moment. So it's not like if someone, you know, if Tyson or Jervis had made that call, it would have been way more surprising. But Rupert is like, yeah, obviously he's going to do it. He's Rupert. Um, but it kind of speaks to his shortcomings as a player as well that he's he's putting the emotional and the personal above not just the tribe but the game as a whole that unless they truly are just there for the experience if they talked about it beforehand and said you know neither of us is probably is going to win this game let's just try to have the best time we can have for however long we're out here maybe that's what they did and if that was Rupert giving up his spot in the game for Laura so he can see like you said he's he already played three times before this but if they wanted to give themselves the best chance to win then it was clearly the wrong decision because she proved herself i mean she was in a tough spot that that can be overlooked but she proved herself a pretty incapable player time time and again yep yep and, and i get it um, she she was nervous she knew that that the tribe would have preferred that Rupert was there instead of her. He can he can fish. He can provide. He can do do all of that, and then she would kind of get blamed for him being gone. You know, not not her fault, but that's just kind of how how the cookie crumbles on that one. But so like so yes, she was in a very difficult spot, but she didn't really do a lot to ease those ease that discomfort on the on the returning player tribe. I mean, and it's, I mean, the, the epitome of that it's later on because it's when they get swapped and she gets on the camera who else is, who else is on the tribe, but basically it's like the four or five women in Vetus. And then she tells Vetus that he's getting voted out. And then they swap to voting her out and she doesn't understand why. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> there's not, this is, I think, part of the issue with like having, having people who have played being on the season with some of their loved ones. And, and you kind of assume that since, you know, one of them has played that the other one will by default have the same knowledge of the game and you know will have the same ability to process information and deal with pressure and all that stuff and um you know like it's it's surprising to see someone make a decision like that but at the same time we have to remember that like they're they're still all rookies technically yep yeah, but it, I mean, I I don't I would have preferred to see Rupert on in the actual game anyway, just because he's he's not a great player, but he's a great character. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone was gonna do it, it's gonna be be the Bonums and yep, great. They seem I mean they seem like great people, but I don't think Survivor is their is their forte. That if if Rupert wasn't Rupert. I don't think he would have been asked back even a second or second time after Pearl Islands. Um, but
but but it does it does provide good good drama which is which we say almost every episode is is what we love we love the any sort of conflict um especially when someone is the on un- or the someone does nothing to deserve it basically like laura but she she has to deal with it ultimately um also with the redemption island whoever wins I, I like this as well whoever wins the redemption island duel is given a clue to an idol but because they're not in the the game proper they get to choose someone to give it to and clearly they're going to give it to their loved one if they're there and then it turns into for the most part everyone just burning the clue and it's basically started by brad culpepper brad and monica um because who is it is it candace that gives the clue to monica because she wants to like paint a target on her back and so Culpepper, Brad Culpepper just tells her to burn it, and then she does, and then that's what everyone starts doing. I mean, there's Brad Culpepper, Culpepper's game-changing moment, I guess. You want to think about it that way. Um, and so it just becomes kind of a a circus of, of jokes. You know, Probst gives it to Sierra, who just walks it right down to the, to the urn to burn it. And um, another good moment, because people are giving up the ability to find an idol. And this was still a few seasons before when people just went, went hunting for idols, um, with, you know, kind of without clues and that people still seem that that clues were necessary to find the idols. And, you know, that's, that's power in the game. That's protection in the game. And they're willfully giving up the opportunity just to kind of save face. And I thought that was a really fascinating development that I wouldn't have predicted would happen. And I think it's such a good argument for production to just let you do have, have the outline in the game and then let the cast make it their own. And this was a perfect example of them doing just that. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of benefits to just give people the freedom to make whatever choices they want to make. And uh, it might be uncomfortable not knowing how it's going to turn out (laughs) and and sometimes might not turn out how you would hope it would, but... um, if you, especially if you have a, a solid cast like this, uh, you can you can expect fireworks and usually in a good way. Yeah, yeah, and someone like Brad Culpepper, you know, he's not going to keep his mouth shut and might be a little aggressive or abrasive, but everyone was just kind of sore losers with him. And then him taking the taking the charge or leading the charge on burning the clues was perfect. That it wasn't someone like a Sierra or Tyson or Hayden or whoever doing it. It was Culpepper, like the the villain of the season as appointed by by the other players i mean it was it was just perfect it played out as well as that that part could have hoped to yep agreed then talking villains it also sees the return of one colton cumby from survivor one world um i i marked down on the on the player intros on the on on the premiere probes gives a little you know, sentence or two on, on each player. And for Colton, it was Colton left with a mysterious element and few fans talking about his time on one world. <laughs> and then, um, and on the finale, you know, he kind of does the, the brief overview of the summary of the, of the season up to that point. And, and pros for Colton goes, and when he couldn't get his way, Colton quit. Yeah. Outside of Johnny Fairplay, I can't remember another player that probes just has so much open disdain for than Colton and kind of like fair play kind of deservedly so just the way he he acted and 
and behaved himself. I thought it was really interesting that they even brought him back to begin with. But yeah. it just and I think him him quitting like so the the one world there's a little back and forth on whether he actually had appendicitis or if it was just an excuse to for him to quit. This time he just for sure quits. He literally cannot handle it. Um and any 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 for for sure quits this time. Protates it. I love it. I'm I'm glad I didn't want Colton to come back, but when he did, I'm glad it kind of I don't I don't enjoy seeing players quit, but in this case, it was just so fitting for his redemption chance to end end like this. Yeah, like like you said, quitting rarely ever benefits like the season itself. Um, it's it's just a wrench to throw in, and you know, like it, it means that someone's miserable, and it's just like it's it's not something that you know you go into a season you're like yeah you know i really hope someone quits this season but in in this case um <laughs> being that it was colton and being that it's jeff um there's just so much that you can do with it and i i think they did a pretty good job uh making it entertaining i would love to hear the background on how colton got cast for a second time I can see where they would, where he would have could have come off in his initial audition and interviews as a great character for One World, or whatever season he first applied for. If it was another one, but for the second one, I feel like someone like that, especially so soon after, because it was just a few seasons, that you would kind of know what you have by that point. It's not like he was on. It's not like this season was thirty-seven, and he's coming back you know, 10 year, you know, five, six, seven years later, whatever it might've been, it was like a couple years. Uh, yeah. You have to think Yeah, people can change, but can they change that much that quickly? And in, unless they thought that he was going to quit again and they just wanted that dramatic moment. But I feel like probes, probes would want a gamer. He'd want, he doesn't, he doesn't want people to quit. He wants someone's going to stick it out. So I don't know, maybe there was some, and this is just speculation. Maybe there was some, some infighting between probes and the, other producers on whether or not they should bring him back, but I'd love to hear some, some insight if, if I could find it into, into how that one casting decision went down. I would say, well, there's, there's two factors that, that I think might go into it. Um, number one, you mentioned fair play. I think it's possible that maybe they thought they had a fair play like figure and um they didn't get to see all of what colton could do his first time there uh there there was a few moments where he seemed to really be strategizing well in one world and um yeah he has some flashes yeah so so i could see maybe that i think also um i uh, this could i don't know if it's if i'd say it's controversial but um i i'm guessing they wanted a gay couple on the loved ones uh like as as far as having someone there with a loved one it would be a dynamic that no other um like we saw it with reed and josh on on san juan del sur later 
Um, and so miles better than, than this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And I think that that was maybe a dynamic that they wanted to have on the season to go along with husband, wife, you know, um, yeah, that, like that's a good brother, point. They, they sister, do, cousin, nephew. They, they have know, been criticized like for years about lack of diversity and all, not just um, people of color versus white, but just any sort of diversity. They've been criticized for about that for a long time. So they, they maybe did put a different emphasis on on that part of the casting. And I don't know how many openly out Survivor players had played up to that point. And then even smaller than that, how many of them would want to return and how many of them would have a loved one to come back with. So if they were angling for that, they maybe did have a very limited pool to work with. Yeah. And then obviously with Colton being the controversial figure, he is on top of that. I think that it, it might've been worth a shot to them. It would at least get people talking. Yep. Yeah, but I think his time on the show is probably done and probably for the best. I'd be, <laughs> I would hope so. I'd be shocked if he ever came back. Um, let's let's see here. Um, one thing that I want to ask about, since you said you didn't have time to rewatch this, when so the one of the big quotes is the the fu Brad Culpepper at Redemption Island. Do you remember who says that? Yeah, Candace wrong that's what i was hoping you would say that's what i was really? hoping you would say it's marissa <laughs> everyone attributes it to candace because she vocally is so against and hates brad culpepper but the actual f you brad culpepper is marissa wow yeah that's uh there's a survivor trivia question that i bet 90 percent of people would get wrong when I when I was rewatching, I was I was also convinced it was it was Candace because that's just who I remember being so much more outspoken about it. It's like, oh, it's actually Marissa, and it's it's just it's great, it's great. Marissa's a lot of fun. Oh, also, I love that Marissa gets voted out specifically because of how Jervis acts after a challenge. They tell Jervis as much, then he just doubles down and keeps doing it. I don't know. I don't know if I should respect that move from Jervis or shake, shake my head at it. Maybe a little of both. Yeah, man, that's for her. It's brutal. Um, yeah. Like what, what are you going to do? And you can't prevent it, but if you're Jervis and you know that that happened because of you and they already think that about you, why not just, <laughs> there it's you're not going to change anyone's mind and have fun with it let's see um tyson just going for some quotes here tyson has a couple other great quotes in the in this throughout the season um not doing to get too in too in depth in it but i just love tyson as we mentioned him tyson wins final five immunity and he says can i kneel like i'm being knighted and there are very few players who can get away with a comment like that and have the rest of the tribe not just hate them for it. And Tyson, one of them, you could probably kind of one hand number of players that could do that. Tyson's up there for sure. Um, Tyson in a confessional talking about like he and Tina have like a disagreement on, on a strategic decision. And he says, Tina, if everyone played the game, you do, I would win 100% of the time. <laughs> 
which which is perfect. I mean, Tyson, like I said at the beginning, he's he's my favorite player of all time, and even though the the biting sarcasm maybe took a backseat, like um from token chains to heroes villains to then here in blood versus water but the but the the wit and the humor still is as strong as ever and he's just such a likable guy that everything he can do no wrong basically in my in my eyes on survivor i mean he and jervis the coconut bandits they find the grove of coconuts and and they're just just downing them they, they figured out a way to like if you remember this to kind of put poke a hole or cut carve a hole in the top and then just drink out of there and then leave them in the in the patch people find them think oh this is this another one another one is empty no one ever catches on that, that other people have been drinking them they think it's like monkeys i think had been doing it and it's it's just phenomenal so he, he's talking about how yeah i haven't been i haven't been hungry a day out here yeah he's uh I, well even winners at war you know how strongly tyson values his nutrition so you you never want to be depleted out on yeah. the island but um yeah there's one the, the thing that I remember most about Tyson from this season actually does not paint him in the best light. Um, it was the, it was the Katie situation on the rock draw and, um, Oh, the, like that's your seat. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I'm going to have to go back. I, I really, I really do want to rewatch this and I'm going to do it soon. Um, and I'm sure that I will take much more away from Tyson's appearance other than a very, very strong win and uh, maybe a couple dick comments. But um, yeah, I, for whatever reason, that stuck with me even more so than like the coconut bandit stuff. Yeah. And I can't, I thought I took notes on, on that part specifically, but he did explain it. And I'm not even going to speculate, but I can't remember what, what he did, but he had some reason for it that sounded okay. But yeah, in the moment, it was what was it wasn't great. Wasn't great. Um but Blood versus Water, this had a couple iconic moments here. It had the rock draw, you said in episode 12. Also had Sierra voting out her mom. But my question is, did she really? She's it, a game changer. So when when she gets voted out, um, she didn't really ha- like. It wasn't like Sierra was was swayed as like the the, the single deciding swing vote. That yeah. yeah she yeah she cast the vote against her mom, which production probably could not have been happy about. They that's what they were hoping for is. You know the what's stronger, blood or water? However, they they phrased it at the beginning. They they wanted this to happen, and and so of course they're they're gonna play it up. Um, but I I don't especially on the rewatch. It wasn't that big of a move. Aside from the fact that it was a daughter casting the vote against her mom, like yeah, it was very she emotional. Was. She talked to Laura about it beforehand. Um, but every but she basically said, I think she was getting voted out anyway. I didn't have a choice, or something along those lines. So it it's, yeah. it's way less impactful from that standpoint when she could have voted for somebody else and Laura still would have gone home. 
or gone. Yeah, she wasn't really the deciding vote. She wasn't leading the charge to get her mom out of the game. It was just kind of this is what I have to do. And I hope you understand. And her mom did understand. And yeah, I don't think that we can really I don't think we can really call that an iconic move when she was just kind of along for the ride um, with what everyone else was saying, but it did get her another season. So I guess it worked out in that way too. Yeah. And well, well, Sierra becomes just so obsessed with big moves. And I think maybe to the detriment of the show, this is kind of where that really started to take hold. Um, so you've got her, quote unquote, voting out her mom, forcing a rock draw. And then a quote later on, I think at final five, she says, to win this game, you have to make a big move, which I just fundamentally disagree with. Yep. Totally I mean, disagree. I mean, Michelle Fitzgerald, yep. Nick Wilson doesn't have a, I'm blanking a huge, big move. Like, yeah, not a huge move. Like you, it can help depending on the game you're playing, but you don't have to make a big move. And then you get into the, the big moves era where people are making big moves for the sake of making big moves. And yeah. if it, there's a time and a place for it. And if the time and place does not exist, then just don't do it. You can make several smaller, smart moves and win the game still. And if you want to make one big move later on, that's another way. It's just another way to do it. You know, you can win, you know, Natalie White won without winning a single immunity challenge. Um, Michelle won by winning a couple big challenges and just having great social relationships. Tony won twice by just dominating the game strategically. Like there's a there's a infinite number of ways you can go about to win this game. And and I, I just I just I'm a little a little tired of the the big move itis that's kind of infected the show. And I'm hoping it'll kind of start to to balance out that people will make big moves when it's smart to or when it will hilariously blow up in their face because that's going to be fun too but yeah when, when, think, you, when they go in thinking they have to make one to win that's when it kind of hurts the season yeah the perfect example i think of making a big move when it's necessary is natalie anderson from san juan del sur where pretty quiet through the majority of the game plays an idol when she needs to wins um you see like Kim on one world. I don't know if Kim on one world ever made a big move. She just set herself up so well from the very beginning that it carried her through. She was just a fundamentally better player than literally every, everybody. Else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sandra. I mean, Sandra is not really a, a big move maker and she's won twice. So it's, yeah, yeah. this is, um, it gets to be a little bit much, and it would be kind of ironic if, you know, the whole big move thing started with Sierra voting out her mom when, like, it really wasn't even her idea and it was going to happen anyway. I was, I was looking up. It was a 7-1 vote. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that's what kicked us off. That's how the game went crazy, Matt. Yeah. A 7-1 vote. I mean, yeah, she could have made it 6-2. Like, it was the smart choice. Because it shows you can go along with the plan and that 
you know, you go, you'll go, you'll ride with your alliance, um, and you can maybe be trusted. But I also don't think, depending on who she, if she wanted to just throw her vote on somebody else, depending who she landed on, I don't think many people would have really blamed her. No, yeah, I, I think because if, uh, if it becomes a, a seven-two or six-one-one. I, and, and she just says, you know, like, I understand you're voting my mom out, but I, I can't put her name down. I'm putting, and I, I know Tyson is safe. I'm going to vote. I'm going to put my vote on Tyson or, or he shouldn't tell anybody. She's I'm going to vote for somebody. doesn't mean anything, but I can't put my mom's name down. I think they'd understand. It's not the days of early survivor where votes against you count against you in, in the event of a tie that doesn't exist anymore. So there's really no harm, no foul. If you pick the right person. Um, but again, as we've seen, that can also piss some people off, just seeing their name on even once. Um, but, but yeah, it's it definitely an overrated moment in terms of how important it is. It's still a big moment because like, yes, she did vote to take her mom out of the game, but it, like we've said, it was going to happen regardless. Yeah. That was just the result that was going down that night. I would argue that Laura even made a bigger move than Sierra this season when, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the final Redemption Island challenge to get back in the game, she just goes up to Tina and is yep. like, hey, you should let me win. Yeah, that part. <laughs> I That's pretty ballsy. <laughs> That that but I I was speechless. I was like, "What are you doing? Like, wh- you're demanding that Tina lets you win." It's kind of like from South Pacific, where 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 Sophie told Albert just to stop working on his puzzle to help <laughs> pick her. up my pieces. <laughs> and he's like, "What?" He goes, "Pick up my pieces." And Porsche's like, "Yeah, you can't do that." <laughs> like, I would love to know what was going through through Laura's mind. Maybe she thought, "Oh, Tina already won. She'll be okay with this." But still, it's like. What, what, what is what is even going on there? That part kind of turned me off to to Laura a little bit because it's like, what? Why would you think that that would even work on on anyone? Yeah, I I don't know where the idea comes there, from. There was no like negotiation. I don't know what she could have negotiated in that sense anyway, because it ended in the loser being eliminated from the game. But there was no discussion about it. It was just, hey, let me win because I should win and you shouldn't. It's like, oh, okay, Laura. <laughs> yep. Well, that's one idea. But uh, another idea would yeah. be I don't do that and I try to win because I still want to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened. All right. And um, my last piece, my last piece here, just to kind of go off again on how awesome Tyson is at the finale. Tyson shows up in a tuxedo t-shirt and Jervis is in a full suit. Like the juxtaposition of those two together was just hilarious. Like just classic Tyson got the long, long flowing locks and then just the tuxedo t-shirt it was just perfect. Yeah. He never changed, but if it, uh, if it's changing in a storyline arc over several years of survivor television, we'll allow it. Absolutely. And, um, just one more Jervis mention for me, as long as any season that has Jervis on it, which is only two seasons, I will comment on how hilarious Jervis is in food eating challenges yep. and 
uh, we'll just uh, leave it at that. I can, I can guarantee that if Jervis gets to play again, there will be a food eating challenge. <laughs> yeah. The jumping up and down, the shaking your head, closing your eyes. It's just, it's, and then just the inability to perfect. do it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That that's great. Um, any last notes for me before we move on to the second chance for, for this one? Nope. Let's do right. it. Yep. So there's not a lot of options because again, half the cast was already a returning player. And then, um, has anyone of the loved ones come back yet? Or, or I guess Monica or Culpepper came back um, already. I'm trying to think if I'm blanking anybody. But anyway, I would have um, Marissa. We talked about Marissa. I think she got completely screwed by Jervis. That she she was shaping up, shaping up to be a pretty fun character to watch. Um, I'd like to see her again. And then John Cody and, and Hayden, who we haven't talked about yet. Hayden, who was dating Kat at the time um big brother winner as well so you know he he had he had some game chops that's for sure he was a good fun guy so like those are those are my three Hayden John and Marissa okay I'll default to you on this one um yeah I I thought it was a it was a strong cast and the dynamics of the loved ones um really add another level to it but as far as individuals go who have not come back on the show, um, I'm not, I don't feel super strongly about any of them. So um, yeah, those, those three throw them down and uh, we will revisit. Yeah. Cause then also um, Vetus and Sierra, they also already came back. So it was really only just a handful of players who would even be eligible. Um and for others to return, you know, with Tyson, we talked about the guy, the players from Winners at War, sure, but in the right context. Um, I think we'd both agree that we would see Jervis again. I would yep. I wouldn't mind seeing Kat. I think she's one of the funnier characters on the show. I don't oh, think she's absolutely I don't think she's a very good player necessarily, but she's she's gonna be she's good for a couple just great moments. Um, you know, no one wants to date someone who doesn't make the merge is just a great great quote <laughs> from from this season is another great i didn't one. remember that one so she she's super fun um i could take her lead brad call pepper um you know he had a good showing for the most part on um on game changers but th- those three you know tyson of course cat and jervis i'm probably set on candace set <laughs> yeah. on rupert when you when you said i could take her leave brad call pepper i thought that was you doing another cat quote <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she did say that. It, that, would, that. That would play as well. That'd be probably the nicest thing anyone outside of Monica said about him that season. Yeah. I, I just, I always love the, uh, they're talking about appendicitis on one world. Oh my God. What's that? <laughs> just that. That's a great moment. Just the, the, the super serious concern and then the, Oh, but I have no idea what that even is. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cat love cat. All right, so next week then, um, move on to our 7th and 8th seasons, Kara Moen and Millennials versus Gen X. Kara Moen, an interesting beginning. Millennial Gen X, one of the best casts of at least recent recent um, Survivor history. And by that time, I will have seen the first episode of South African Survivor. I'll probably touch on that briefly. Um, you know, probably won't go too in-depth just for time and for spoilers, but I'll 
I'll have a few thoughts ready to go for that, I'm sure. And just uh, if you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, anywhere you listen, you can find us there. And you can follow us on Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, on Instagram at Talk Llama Pod. And for Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambage. We'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Crispy. <laughs>